What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning, and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Lowcountry talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood. And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 and simulcast on iHeartRadio and Spotify. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox, here with another edition of Beyond the Business, presented by the College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work. They're ready to make an impact. And I hope my co-host, Leslie Haywood, is ready to make an impact this morning as well. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning. I'm ready. Let's make an impact. Let's do this. I like that, Leslie. (laughs) And good morning, Low Country. Thank you for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And make sure and check us out on Facebook at Beyond the Business or on Twitter at BTBCHS. Um, Well, here we are. Another another Saturday. I appreciate all the listeners. Another Saturday. Here we go. Another great opportunity to listen to stories of entrepreneurship and leadership from around the world, not just the low country, Leslie. And we keep on week in and week out having that uh, blessed opportunity to, to bring that to our listeners. And so last week, no exception to the rule. We have Mr. Andrew Block on. Andrew is the founder of RevFuel, which is a sales development agency here in Charleston. Uh, give us a little nugget or two of uh, what you took away from Andrew's story last week. Well, I, I'm usually, I usually leave all the quotes for you, but this one just stuck out. I, I loved this. He said, sales isn't about selling. It's about listening and helping. Did I get it? I you got took yours. It. You took my I quote. Took <laughs> but I love it. It's a good I one. I know. It was, it was a good one. It was a good one because a lot of people have this misconception about what sales really is. And you do. You do more listening and helping than you do talking if you're a good sales a salesperson. So I can't wait to dig into all of that this this week. So what have yeah. you got now that I've stolen your quote? Uh, you took all my thunder. But, you know, it, it, it kind of took me back. Andrew doesn't know a lot about my background, but I've taught sales for 30 years in Fortune 100 companies. And sales, you know, is part of my blood and just love the whole psychology behind sales and the interaction of sales. And so it, it took me back. And, and I was really intrigued by the fact that Andrew is, is a self-admitted introvert who turned into this sales pro, right? And so to make a leap from from that side of the column to the other, and he even mentioned that that you know when he we asked him a question last week about when uh, he was a kid, you know what would his childhood friends say about him today? And he talked about you know loyalty and this and that, but he also said that when he was in a group that they he was the quietest one in the room, but yet to be in sales. And so you know what a great testament to if you set out to do something, no matter what the obstacles. 
that you may have in your personality, you can overcome them. And so I love the fact uh, that we're on this journey in, in the sales world. And so excited to hear the rest of the story because we unfortunately got cut a little short with last week's show and didn't get to hear about really the start of his venture. And so we're excited to dive in that today. So Andrew, did you make it back with us today? I did. Yes. Thank okay, you for having good. me back. Good. Sometimes Leslie will run guests off and we don't get that second so chance the following week, but I just <laughs> want to make sure you're here. Thanks for being here. Uh, we're excited to jump in. And um, when we left you last week, you were talking about the fact that you were working with uh, a gentleman at uh, pre-hired and you really had been there from day one with him and help him kind of get everything off the ground. And you all sort of changed directions a little bit and got involved with the recruiting side and the training side. Um and we never got a chance to really talk about how that evolution led you to jump off the cliff and go start your company, RevFuel. So I'd love to dive in that. But before we do, give our listeners, again, a quick 20-second commercial on your organization. Yeah. So uh, RevFuel, we are a sales development agency. Uh, we work with tech startup companies. Um, and usually these companies... They don't really have anything to do with sales or they don't have any sales processes. They just throw paint on a wall. We go in there, we build sales processes, sales strategies, and then we'll even handle, you know, usually their, their SDR programs, their sales development, usually the top of the funnel. So, Awesome. Well, take us back to your, your kind of uh, evolution from pre-hired into jumping into the ideal of let me go do my own thing. Yeah. Um, so it really started me wanting to get away from pre-hired uh the beginning of 2020 um i i enjoyed what i did at pre-hired uh, you know i loved helping people but it was a startup and you know we were successful but you know there were some things i agreed with some things i didn't agree with things like that just how the business was run um and i was there from day one and it was a grind and i was just starting to get a little burnt out um and i wanted to i want to do my own thing i was you know at that probably time, I was what twenty five. I felt like I had enough knowledge to be able to do my own thing. Um, you know, I mentioned early on, like the first six months of that internship, I learned a lot. I mean, really, in the first two to three years of my job, I felt even though I was 23, 24, 25, I felt like I was thirty years old in terms of my career um, because I I owe it a lot to to Josh, the founder. Um, he just gave me a ton of knowledge and, and real world experience and. Uh, I knew, hey, I can do this. I can, you know, I know what I'm talking about. So beginning of 2020, I was like, all right, let me let me try and get some contract work on the side. And I actually started getting some work and then COVID hit. Uh, the few clients I was working with, they couldn't afford to pay. I was still at pre-hired. Um, you know, I didn't want to just jump unless I had enough, you know, basically my, that income was, was more than my pre-hired one. So COVID hit, uh, I was still at pre-hired we got hit a little bit. Our pay kind of got decreased. So I just focused on that. And then in the fall of last year, I kind of got the, all right, let's, let's kind of try this again. Things are a little more settled. Um, and I got some contract work again and then it started just kind of building up. And then that led into 2020 and, you know, I had got some more opportunities with some companies, uh, you know, to, to start handling their sales. And at the time it was just me and, um, you know, I was, I was basically at the point where I was able to jump ship. Um, but I kind of jumped ship at everyone was kind of like, no, don't do it. You're kind of dumb because, uh, we were living in Charlotte at the time. And, uh, at the time we were, uh, we were having a baby. We have a, a two month old girl now. And, um, we wanted to move back to Charleston to be close to family. And we went and bought a house in John's Island. And I basically was like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go jump. 
our mortgage broker was like, yeah, I would wait till after, you know, you guys close on the house. So I basically, we closed on the house February, I don't know, 23rd. I then told my boss, Hey, I'm leaving. I'm quitting. I don't know, the 27th, the 28th. And then, you know, middle, middle of March, it was, uh, on my own. Um, so I, you know, bought a new house, have a mortgage <laughs> now, uh, have a, our first baby on the way in a couple months and, uh, and a new business. So, so you well, have a lot of motivation. Yeah, exactly. Your, yeah. your financial advisor was probably sweating bullets, right, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, are you crazy? That's awesome that it did it. Now, how did, uh, I'm always curious on how, this is where people sometimes cry or can't talk. How did that relationship um, weather the storm of you leaving? Because sometimes it can be messy and sometimes some of the people might not go when they want to go because of the relationship that they're leaving. So how did that look? The relationship with with Prehard, the, the company yes. I worked at? With yeah. Me. I mean, my boss knew I always wanted, like I told him from day one, like I want to do my own thing. So he kind of always knew and he was like supportive. That's good. I don't think he maybe ever like, I don't want to say I don't think he ever thought I would. I think he did, but I think it was kind of really far in the background and, you know, again, I, I was burnt out. It's not like I, you know, I, I still have a relation. I mean, we don't talk as much, but I still have a good relationship, everything like that. I know he has my back and I have his if, if ever needed. Um, but you know, I, Hey, I put on a happy face. So I was fine, but I was just, I was just so burnt out. There's a lot of stuff that was going on. I was just, I was just drained. Um, and you know, he might not have known that cause I'm not going to voice that, Hey, I'm unhappy or anything. So I think when I told him, I think it was, he knew it would, you know, there's always a chance, but maybe he wasn't expecting then. Cause we were kind of really starting to get, I mean, we were always growing, but we really kind of hit a point where it's like, all right, that, that hockey stick, we're really going up. Um, and you know, he was surprised, but he was 100% supportive. He's like, Hey, any, I mean, you're starting what four letter was obviously I don't do that anymore, but anything I can help with anything like that. So yeah, he was really supportive. Um, you know, it was, it was fine. I even did a little bit of kind of contracting work, you know, on the side training, basically the person, um, that kind of took over for me, but he was paying my company at the time. So yeah, it was, it was a, a smooth split. There wasn't any remorse. It wasn't like a bad breakup. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I want to keep a relationship. So, um, you know, cause I know I could always, you know, potentially benefit from him and he can benefit from me one day. So, um, yeah, it was a easy, relatively no smooth drama. transition on that side. So Andrew, I want to flip gears and go into RevFuel and what you guys exactly do, right? You're, yeah. you're talking about a sales development agency and you come in and you help tech startups on uh, really helping them go out and, and do the sales side, prospect and set yeah. appointments and all that, right? And so the point is for me, thinking through, all right, you get these tech folks, right? And they're brilliant and they come up with this great idea, this great technology. Um, do you see that, that these tech startup founders haven't thought through how am I going to connect my great technology to the world and they sort of forget about the sales side of it? Like, how does that become a play for you guys as an organization? I think they have the idea. They know, hey, like we need to sell, um, but I don't think they have like, how are we going to do it? Because most, I mean, most people that start a company, they usually come from that background. If you start a an accounting software, probably you were an accountant. If you start a healthcare company, you're probably from that. I mean, if you started a sales software, then yeah, okay, you probably have a sales background. But that's not a ton of companies. So they usually come from whatever their their industry is. They're kind of focused more on the product. Most people are very product focused instead of kind of like the 
MVP model. Hey, let's build a little bit, test it, break it, you know, move on, move on, and, and let's get some customers early. A lot of them are, I need to create the, the most perfect product ever. Um, you know, we're not, we're not ready for sales. Well, you're never going to be ready for sales. You're never going to create the, the perfect product. You're like massive company, Salesforce, HubSpot. They're always adapting. They're always making product updates, shipping new things. Um, so I think it's always on their mind, but they just don't know how, like it's, it's on their mind, but distant in their mind. And then that's where we come in. We'll reach out and we reach out to these founders and we know they don't have anyone on their sales team. And we know they didn't just start yesterday. We know that, okay, they're six months, a year old. They're either getting ready to kind of launch or they are doing sales. A lot of the companies we work with, it's founder-led sales, but they're just they're not just doing sales. They're raising money. They're adding product features. They're doing a million things and you know, 20, 30, 10%, I don't know, is, is dedicated to sales, not a hundred percent. And then they don't, you know, they know what they're doing in terms of like, they're able to get some sales, but they really don't, they, they don't come from a sales background. I said it before, they throw paint on a wall. Some of it sticks, some of it doesn't, and they just need help. Um, and that's where we come in and actually help. So. Now, what is a, one of the main misconceptions about what your company does or what you do that people think, maybe don't understand? Um, I think a big misconception. So what I do, there's a lot of companies like a, a marketing agency, digital, like there's a ton of them. I'm not the only one in the world. What I'm doing is not revolutionary at all. Um, I think a big misconception of kind of what we do. And I think just in general, people that don't come from sales is it's high, high cold call volume. You're calling a bunch of people that really don't care anything like that. And it's just spray and pray and annoy. And our approach is spray, pray, and annoy. <laughs> There's my new approach. quote, Leslie. <laughs> you can have that for next week. <laughs> I'll, I, I won't take that one. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but but it is a lot of the companies I talk to. They just kind of blast things out, um, it, and it's they don't know any better, and it's okay. Um, and you know, our approach is is quality over quantity. Let's get really specific. Let's get really targeted, and that's what we do. We don't just sell right away. So in terms of we're going to like, what does RevFuel actually offer? And if we're working with a company, we usually build a sales process first. We go in there and we look at every aspect of your sales process, which isn't a ton, but we go in there and we build all these different things out from, let's start with what tools are you using? You're a software company. You need software for, like, you need a CRM. You need a lead gen software. You need sales engagement platforms. Let's implement that. Okay. How are you, you know, what are your actual services and your product? Let's define those. Okay. Let's figure out you know, what maybe most people don't know is ICP buyer persona, like your company profile, your buyer persona, your target market. Like, let's figure out who should you actually go after? Okay. You're an accounting software. Don't reach out to every company in the world. Let's get really specific on maybe a specific industry, specific geography, specific size. Let's figure out who should we reach out to these companies? What is that person, the decision makers or end users, goals, challenges, problems that they might face? And we take all these things so then we can actually reach out to them and, and you know, be like, hey, we're reaching out to you one to one because we truly believe we can help. And again, not just the spray and pray and let's reach out to everybody. And then from there, crafting, how do we reach out? Not just cold calls, but not just cold emails. Let's use LinkedIn. Maybe let's use some video prospecting. How are we going to run these sales meetings? You know, these demos, these discovery calls, these follow ups, and how are we going to close them? We basically provide them, you know, a sales playbook that's custom. 
Um, so they have a, a process or what I tell them, you have a recipe now that you can actually follow. Uh, and then from there, some of our customers kind of take it and run with it. Others say, hey, can you handle the SDR services, which is the lead generation and the prospecting? Because no one likes doing that because no one likes cold calling and cold emailing. Um, and we'll come in and handle those. And then usually they, they kind of take the meetings from there. So a little more into about the, the services, but I know yeah. I probably didn't really answer your question. Correctly. You did. Absolutely. <laughs> I love so, it. And- Andrew, you know, we all look back in our life and we have people along the way that have been instrumental and helpful. And even, you know, where you are at this stage, you probably have folks that you turn to for wise counsel and and lean on for decision making and ideas. What does that circle look like for you? Is that is that are there folks here locally in Charleston within your industry or around the around the country that you turn to for your sounding board? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I mean, I would say, Josh, my founder, I don't really you know, I don't lean on him that much anymore. Um, but he was just super instrumental in terms of giving me all this knowledge. You know, I'm talking to people that are, you know, 10, 20 years older than me. I'm, I'm only 26. So I feel very young, but I go into these meetings and, you know, not to sound cocky, but I feel like I know far way more than what they know about sales. I know, I know what I'm talking about and I'm very confident. I know there's still a lot to learn. So he was able to give me all that stuff just through giving me this opportunity for the past four or five plus years. Um, but really the biggest person I lean on is my dad. Um, he's been, you know, I think I mentioned in the last episode, I think he kind of lives through me in terms of he always wanted to do something entrepreneurial, but maybe never had the, never had the guts. I don't know. Um, but he's retired now and he helps me out a ton. Finance side, he he was you know a finance uh, in the finance world. He was a CPA, so he helps me out with that. But more just kind of my sounding board. Um, but I'd say that's the one thing I'm you know, I guess lacking. Uh, aside from him, there's not a ton of people that I reach out to. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of just because I'm still in the building phase and so busy, which is a good thing. But that's I, I want to you know be able to have a bigger circle and be able to lean on people that you know have done things like this or just built businesses in general cuz right now it's it's a it's a small circle so Sure. And Charleston has, uh, we have become very welcoming to all entrepreneurs, I, I've heard. Um, how are things different now than they were, you know, a couple of years ago when you were in Charlotte? Have you noticed that um, the spirit of entrepreneurship here in Charleston is bigger and better than ever? Uh, I've always been remote, so um, it, it hasn't really impacted me. Um, I, de- you know, and I was in Charlotte for a year and a half. It was primarily all COVID. So I didn't really get to jump out and experience the the entrepreneurial world. I know that's more of a finance city. Um, you know, I know Charleston has a lot of opportunity in terms of tech and startups. And, you know, uh, when I, I mentioned I had interned at the Harbor Entrepreneur Center, they had this weekly um, 1 million cups where a bunch of people got together. They promote, you know, they uh, pitch businesses. So I would, you know, like to get back into that stuff. But no real difference because I've always been remote and I never, I haven't ventured too much out into the the startup scene and and, and met people and collaborated, which I know I should. Well, it's a crazy time though. I mean, yeah, yeah that's crazy. You'll have to go back, by the way, and listen to Patrick Bryant's show from about six or seven years ago, uh, early on when they were at the Harbor uh, Entrepreneurs and he did a great, great uh, segment here on Beyond the Business. So think about, um, you know, in, in terms of the market that you serve right now, it's startups, right? It's small companies, it's solopreneurs, they're just building and growing. But your service, if it works uh, for them, they'll continue to grow and scale. And my 
question, I guess, is do they get to a point because of their growth and their scale and then they start hiring more internally that they outgrow your service? Or do you find a way to continue to evolve your business and your model to serve them as they scale? Yeah, I mean, because I'm, you know, seven, eight months into this, we haven't had anyone outgrow yet, but I know it's going to happen. And, you know, I don't tell this to everybody, but like, we're it's just the three work. of us. Don't worry about it. Just no, no, I'm no saying, but, uh, well, in terms of my clients, when I talk to them, we're not going to work together forever. I know that. Like, and I don't want to say I almost don't want them to, but I think at a certain point, it's probably good to, you know, hire in-house, um, you know, especially at, when you're at a certain size. So I don't know what that point is, but yeah, there eventually will be a point where it's like, Hey, it's, you know, they're leaving the nest and now they're hiring internally. I mean, so I, I don't know what that point will be. Um, but I think there's definitely, you know, reasons where, you know, whether it's financially or whatever it may be, it, it will make sense for companies to be able to say, Hey, we're, we're going to leave. And, you know, obviously I want to benefit where, Hey, maybe they take my SDR that works, you know, works for me, but assigned to them or whatever it may be, you know, there's always opportunities, but I know people leave and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I'd rather truthfully work with more of the startups and be able to fit. A lot of this is, is, is trial and error is figuring things out. It's not just, okay, we built a process and we're selling. The process doesn't, you know, work from day one. Um, you know, so at a certain point when they're super well established and now it just put more money into sales, put more money into marketing and let's add more SDRs and sales reps. I don't want to say I'd be bored of that, but the chat, it's a different challenge. It's not the challenge that I deal with now. So maybe at that point I'll say, Hey, go do your own thing. I don't know. What is your vision for RevFuel? And uh, like, what would, where do you see yourself in five years or where do you want to be? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, do I, I probably don't see myself doing RevFuel forever, um, <laughs> you know, but I would like to start other businesses. But what I kind of want to use RevFuel as is, you know, I'm going to be very well connected to a lot of startup companies. And, you know, when I can get to the point where, hey, I can start being, you know, maybe on a small investor side of it um, and, you know, basically have RevFuel as the one that fuels the their sales. I go take money that I've made over time, maybe find some other people. Hey, I know this company can be successful because we're running sales. Like it's already proven, you know, let's go build something out and, and you know, do more investment side. So that's kind of more of the long-term as being able to, from this break off and, and build out more, is it a VC firm or, you know, whatever it may be. I'd be able to like to use this um, as a way to, uh, you know, to invest in these companies because I know they're they're proven and they work because I did it. <laughs> so and, and so, Andrew, it'd be awesome. remiss if, if we didn't offer this, that somebody's out here listening right now. They've got a small organization, a startup, and they're like, man, this is something I could use. How would they get in touch with you guys? Yeah. So if they just go to revfuel.co, not .com because that was already taken, I think, or very expensive <laughs> when I was starting up, but RevFuel, R-E-V-F-U-E-L dot C-O, uh, they can go on there. Or the most active place I'd say um, is on LinkedIn. And if they just look for Andrew Block, I think I'm the only one in Charleston, they'll find me or shoot me an email just at andrew at revfuel.co. And so, you know, we're, we're going to do a little Monday morning quarterbacking for a second. You look back over your life and certainly your evolution since graduating from college. You've had some successes. You've certainly been uh, high energy and active and involved a lot of things. But we learn a lot, too, from our mistakes. And if you look back over sort of your journey, what would you say is maybe a defining moment or something that you, you wish you could kind of redo that you've taken a learning lesson away from? Yeah, so this is probably going to open up a, a pretty big can of worms because we haven't talked about it. <laughs> this is the good um, stuff. 
So RevFuel is not the first company I started. Um, so I, in college, I started, um, you know, I mentioned a clothing company, surf company, me and two of my friends, we started a, a fitness apparel company and we were actually getting sales and stuff like that. Um, and we did it for five or six years. Uh, but the biggest lesson I mentioned, I was an introvert. I was, I'm very hesitant to tell people about what I'm doing. I'm very scared. I, I, I was, I would say at the time, like, scared. I thought, you know, oh, that's stupid, things like that. So I was always very hesitant to talk about it, you know, which is not a good thing when you're trying to build a business and, and, and have an audience. I was just so, what do people think? And that's how I was as a child. I always, probably why I was quiet was because I always, I cared too much about what people thought. Um, and this business, I feel like it had a lot of potential. I mean, we, you know, when we were starting it, we had a really good mission behind it, just the name. A lot of people liked the idea, but I was so hesitant and scared to tell people about it that, you know, we weren't able to market it as well. And if I wasn't, I, you know, I don't want to say I guarantee, but I probably would still be doing that. I truly believe. Um, and I think it would have been a full-time thing for sure. Um, so, I mean, the biggest lesson and just lesson in general is don't care about what other people think. Um, just go for it. There's, I don't know if it's a quote, but I heard it one way. It's like the, the best businesses, the best ideas in the world are in a graveyard, uh, you know, because people are so scared to say things and they, you know, they end up dying and they never try that business out or do what they truly want to do. Um, so my, my advice to people and the lesson I've learned is like, go for it. You know, Nike, just do it. Uh, just don't care about what people think, um, cause you, you know, and that's, that's my biggest lesson I've learned. I'm still learning it now. I'm still, you know, hesitant and, and a little shy about things, but uh, you know, I, I wish I was more extroverted and could could shout from the heavens and, and not care about what about what people thought. Hey, Leslie, you want to end us with a lightning round? Yeah, sure. All right. Here we go. People, you know, stories you don't. Let's get to know you, Andrew, a little bit better. What is the best movie of all time? Rat Race. <laughs> that way I haven't had that one before. How about the best book you've ever read? Mm, I'm not a good uh, I don't really read much, but um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, that's a good one. On your perfect day off, where would we find you? Uh, at the beach surfing. And number one thing on your bucket list? Um, I would just say in general, just to, to get, like what I just mentioned, go for it. Like kind of, you know, having no regrets whenever my time comes, being able to like do everything I actually want to do. Awesome. You know what? It goes by in a vacuum. So take advantage of every moment and every day, right? Mm -hmm. Andrew Block, again, founder of RevFuel, a sales development agency here in Charleston, South Carolina. Thank you for your time, and we appreciate your story uh, last week and this week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Best of luck to you in the future. And again, you've been listening to Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 and presented by the College of Charleston School of Business and Coastal Wealth Management. And until next Saturday Monday morning, Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC. 
the College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, 10 minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.